0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Rebound. Let's say goodbye to 2023. I'm Bob Trullcock. And I'm Abe Yeah, Abe, we're coming to the end of the year. And in a few months, we're going to mark the fourth anniversary of The Rebound. So not bad for a couple of guys who were just looking for something to do during the pandemic
1: lockdown when supply chain was in the news. Uh, really, Bob, it's been a great opportunity to discuss a lot of cutting-edge topics, as well as the importance and the impact that supply chain has had on almost every aspect of our lives. I think we can both agree that uh, the awareness of supply chain has never been higher. Maybe the understanding isn't there, but the awareness sure is.
0: That's a great segue to what I wanted to start with, Abe. So, like last year, I thought we'd take a look back at what caught our attention during the the year and. I was going to actually kick this off with a discussion on AI, and I will go to that in a moment. But this morning, I was listening to Andrew Ross Sorkin on CNBC talk about the impact of the Houthi rebels on shipping via the Red Sea. Now it's already leading to talk in the media of supply chain disruptions, higher prices, the Grinch that stole Christmas, going back to supply chain is in the news, maybe not completely understood, but people now know that you know these kinds of things may disrupt their lives. To me, it was something different. It was a reminder of something and some guests said to us about the impact geopolitics is now having on supply chain management. It's a completely
1: new lens for us, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and I think as we start to open up the aperture on supply chain and the impact that it's having, uh, I think not only the geopolitical side, but the interconnected side of how supply chain connects everything across the globe, and the decisions that we're making in the US and in EU are having an impact, collateral impact, across the networks. And I think this is among the the challenges that we have, is getting our arms around and understanding the complexity of supply chain. Chains and how interdependent they are to each other.
0: You know, um, Yossi at your conference, and certainly in um, you know, conversations he's had with you and I, has said that, you know, global logistics isn't going away. It just makes too much sense. At the same time, um, I think something Arun uh coach said the other day is people are rethinking what a global supply chain means. You know, it's the um make where you sell, buy where you make where they may operate globally, but they're not trying to ship 5,000 miles across the ocean. they're trying to set up you know manufacturing uh, near where their global customers are and then buy from local uh, sources and I think that's been a that's been an ongoing thing, you know, maybe since uh, the tariffs in 2016. but I think when you look at things like the Red Sea closure, it's really going to drive that home.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think we started to see that with China Plus One strategy a couple of years ago, where organizations, uh, specifically multinationals, are taking a look at their footprint to your point. Where do you source from? Where do you manufacture? Where do you deliver? Where do you store? And I think we're taking a look at a much different landscape than we had in the past, where it was almost a foregone conclusion. You're gonna manufacture in China, you're gonna get it shipped overseas. I think there's been quite a bit of evaluation of what that footprint looks like, not only in terms of efficiency, but as the sustainability issue as well, which is you know, on the horizon, uh, a very looming issue for a lot of supply chains. Hey, let me
0: just stick on this for one more moment since, um, you know, a a big part of ASCM is certification and education. Do you think that is going to require new skills that supply chain managers haven't typically had? You know, this is
1: no longer about how do I make it and ship it at the lowest cost? No, I totally agree with you, uh, Bob. I I think the role and responsibility and the accountabilities have changed significantly over the past three to five years. Uh, We had expected supply chain professionals to be in a leadership position. Let's face it, they are engaged in almost every aspect of the organization. So we fully expected them to be leaders in their organization. I think the pandemic accelerated that focus on that supply chain professional and what they bring to the table, specifically the C-suite. And the competencies necessary to sit at that table are significantly different than the subject matter expertise or the functional expertise that used to be you know, sufficient. Now, focus on collaboration, communication, coordination across enterprises, across time zones, across cultures, a very different environment today for a lot of supply chain professionals.
0: Again, So now I'm gonna go back to our regularly scheduled programming. I didn't mean to start that, but sometimes the news drives, you know, the conversation, including in supply chain. So let's look beyond geopolitics. I think the biggest development is the one is reaching far beyond supply chain. And that's AI. It's sparking labor unrest. It's consternation in government, corporate upheaval, and an employee revolt at open AI most recently. Uh, the other night I was at a friend's house for uh, dinner and uh, one of the guests was from uh, Colorado and talked about how they were using AI to redo, by the way, their marijuana policies. And um, and, and I was asking him, you know, do you see this as a, a panacea or a threat to mankind? And his answer was, you know, a little bit of both. Um, when I talked to supply chain managers, we're at very early days and the early applications all seem innocent enough. So my question to you is, you had a number of presentations on AI at ASC and Connect, including your fireside
1: chat with Yossi Sheffi.
0: What's your take on what's going on here?
1: Yeah, a really interesting uh, development in the industry uh, about, uh, I think like a lot of technology, there's been a tremendous amount of hype uh, and concern to your point about the use of AI. Um, If we take a look at the significant technology changes that have occurred over time, whether we're talking about blockchain or whether we're talking about AI and machine learning and the the rest, I think there's a couple of takeaways. First, we tend to overestimate the impact in the short term. We tend to see that this is very disruptive and it's going to have significant impact on almost every aspect of our technology and our supply chains. And so we tend to overestimate that. I think we tend to underestimate the impact in the long term. And that is what will happen over time as we become much more accustomed to the use of AI within the organization at almost every level. I think what's interesting with this technology is that it's focused on knowledge management, content creation, curation. Traditionally, functions that we saw with technology improvement tended to focus on much more the blue collar, the efficiency, the effectiveness, or you know, reduced cost this is focused on advanced degree or professionals historically you know technology affected the blue collar this is affecting those knowledge workers and i think that's what's different about this technology is that i think it could be much more disruptive at a much higher level within an organization as opposed to just the efficiency side of a technology solution
0: do you think that in part has led to a lot of the consternation uh, about ai i'm going to give you a long example Um, I followed RFID back when Walmart, you know, in 2003 or 2004, had the RFID mandate. And the example I've used is I went to RFID Journal Live back in the midst of that. And uh, the the head of the RFID initiative for Walmart was at the podium and he said, I predict that in, uh, you know, in the future, the insights we're getting from RFID are going to lead to a cure for cancer and an end to world hunger. And my punchline is: a year later, they dropped the initiative. You know, so much for so much for <laughs> world hunger, right? And um, during the actors' strike, I was I was in my car driving somewhere, and I was listening to MSNBC, and Bill Maher was on, and they asked him since you know AI was a big part of the uh, the writers' strike. He said, you know, what do you think of AI? And he said, well, you know, he said it's both uh, you know amazing and frightening. And I predict in ten years the insights from AI are going to lead to a cure for cancer and the end of world hunger. So uh, part, part of me was a little bit jaundiced, like, you know, a year from now we're going to drop the initiative, but at the same time, I've wondered if a lot of the consternation is right to the point you just made, which is that this one potentially has an impact, you know, on people like you and me and people like you and me, people in white collar positions are also the ones who are, writing and speaking about it so you know maybe we're raising the alarm where the blue collar
1: workers um potentially affected by you know rfid didn't have a voice couldn't agree with you more bob and i think this is you know uh, among the issues that we're dealing with a I i don't think we fully appreciate the impact that it had not too dissimilar from blockchain uh, I think we had a very similar discussion about blockchain about, you know, six or seven years ago about how disruptive it was going to be. And now we're seeing it much more, uh, you know, commonplace for organizations to use. And I think we're going to see sort of that crawl into the technology with AI. I don't think it's going to be a sweeping change. Supply chains don't act like that. I think we're very you know, risk averse into the new technologies that specifically that could be this disruptive. So I think you're going to see it start to being implemented at a, a tertiary basis. I don't know about a holistic implementation with organizations. We haven't seen that just yet. But I think as we start to understand the capabilities and the benefits of using AI, I think we can reduce the concern and that, you know, the hyperbole and get to much more impactful and useful use of that technology.
0: You and I both put on conferences this year and, you know, when we put together content or when we curate, you know, our presenters, it's often a reflection of, you know, what's on the minds of our attendees and what's going on in supply chain. So think about what you saw and heard at ASCM Connect. And then what's your takeaway, and then maybe feedback you received from attendees, what's your takeaway about the state of supply chain management today? You know, was there something that stood out or said to me, this is really what matters to, uh, you know, to my attendees and my presenters?
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think there were a couple of things that I recognized. First, uh, the sense of common um, purpose, common, you know, issues uh, for the, it, it seemed like there was a much more a um, higher sense of the supply chain professionals finally being recognized for their contributions. Uh, we're not having to explain to our friends and our families what supply chain professionals do. Uh, we may have to defend it sometimes today, but we're no longer having to explain what they do. Uh, so there was that sense of camaraderie that we're now finally starting to see these individuals recognized for their contributions. I think secondly, it's clear that supply chain professionals finally have a seat at the C-suite. Uh, We've been talking about this. Uh, You and I just referred to this a little bit before, that we had anticipated that supply chain professionals, given their role, their responsibility, and the span of knowledge within the organization, that they would be excellent candidates for the C-suite. I think we're starting to see these individuals now have a seat at the table. So a couple of takeaways. First, they now need to use their voice at the table. This is not something that we prepare these individuals for to sit at the C-suite with the CFOs, with compliance officers, with sustainability officers, and designing appropriate supply chains, sustainable supply chains for their organizations. That is a key aspect. And now that, you know, that competency and that capability now needs to be upskilled. And so that leads me to my final point, as we talked before It used to be that functional expertise or you being a subject matter expert was sufficient for this field. Now that's the price of entry. Expectations now include collaboration across the enterprise and across your vendors, coordinating the, you know, the orchestrating the supply chain, balancing supply and demand, communicating across the organization. These are all what we considered in the past, what we called soft skills. But as Bob, you and I know, there's nothing soft about these skills. These are significant, you know, competencies that individuals bring to the organization to enable them to not only withstand the shocks that we're experiencing to the system, but to move the organization along, take advantage of these opportunities. With the supply chain professionals now, you know, having that, you know, understanding of their commitment and their role, I think we're starting to see that, you know, these people really fulfill their you know manifest destiny of a supply chain professional.
0: So when I think of my next gen conference, um, something that really stood out to me was both a presentation and then the follow up feedback I got about it. So the presentation was from a very well known candy company uh, that presented on skew rationalization and the challenge they had was that during the pandemic they couldn't get enough of ingredients to make you know every product in their uh, their catalog. They had to best allocate ingredients that were in short supply and then allocate them to finished product that was also in short supply to customers. Now, it was one of the best received presentations uh, when we got you know, the scores later. Meanwhile, on my advisory board is uh, the director of planning at a very, very large CPG company uh, and also you know always in the top 25 on Gartner. And he said to me, You know, he heard, he said, you know, I heard all kinds of people talking about that presentation. And the only thing I could think of was, well, we've been doing that for a decade. And what it reminded me is there is a gap between the very best supply chains and even the very good. And that we should never assume when we hear what the best are doing, that everyone is already doing it. You know, there's a lot of aspiration out there, but people who are still at the early stages of advancing their supply chain.
1: No, I couldn't agree with you more, Bob. I think as we take a look at the diversity that's, you know, within the, the supply chain and the things that organizations are trying, to your point, some of it seems to be like back to basics, while others seem to be moving at warp speed as AI or for their organizations. And, you know, the, the focus still is on efficiency and effectiveness. Uh, the, you talked a little bit about uh, Yossi and our conversations with him. One of the things that Yossi and I talk about all the time is just in time. Is just in time dead? And, you know, from his and my perspective, uh, absolutely not. Uh, I think right. we're still in the just-in-case, you know, environment, you know, dealing with the disruptions, whether it be the Suez Canal today or whatever it may be. But uh, I think we're still, you know, a focus on just-in-time, that efficiency, that effectiveness, and what you're describing in terms of how these organizations respond are that foundational stuff that organizations are doing on SKU rationalization? this isn't new to your point and to the you know the organizations. this is something that these people have been doing forever. Now I think there's much greater urgency to rebalance that supply and demand and that data indicators and that technology having a significant impact on supply chains today. How do we marry that technology with the knowledge worker so that we can rebalance and meet consumers and patients' needs alike? I think that's, you know, again, I cannot think of a higher calling than that challenge.
0: Uh, I want to ask you a couple of things about this year's top 10 supply chain trends because I, I think they're really relevant to um, what's going to happen in 2024. So. When I was looking at the top 10, uh, the thing that struck me at the time, you know, when I was at ASC and Connect, is the top 10 was really a couple of buckets. And one of them was digital. And when I say just a couple of buckets, under the top 10, you had big data and analytics, AI and ML, smart logistics, which are all part of digital supply chains. And digital supply chain was number two on the list. So, like, uh, you know, at least five of the top 10. Um, We're all about digital. What is the impact that you think digital is having on the future of supply chain management today? And
1: how far along do you think we are? Yeah, that's a really great point, Bob. And I think if you talk to any organization right now, if digital transformation isn't the number one priority in their organization, it probably is number two. Um, The pandemic exposed them significant gaps in our supply chains. Uh, three specifically, uh, visibility, transparency, and traceability. These were gaps that occurred at you know, almost every level, but more importantly, at the Tier 2, Tier 3 levels within the organization. Among the, you know, the, the opportunities that we have or solutions that we have is the digital transformation to address these gaps. Organizations have worked really hard to identify all the players in their supply chain to ensure that future disruptions are either mitigated or avoided. So, you know, we tended to focus specifically on filling those gaps on visibility and transparency. So, uh, good news, bad news. Uh, in filling those gaps, we now know all the players in our supply chain. We are no longer surprised by who's in our supply chain. The bad news is that we now know everybody in our supply chain. And we found out that there are maybe some actors or maybe some practices that are not consistent with our expectations or our policies. And so this has created a very, you know, dynamic environment for organizations, specifically on the compliance side. You now know everybody in your supply chain, and that indicates that you now know where you have challenges with perhaps labor issues or conflict materials or sustainability issues. We can no longer say we don't know. That is no longer acceptable for supply chain professional to say they do not know what's in their supply chain. So we've worked you know, over the past couple of years in terms of identifying how to enable and to prepare supply chain professionals for these activities. Uh, our new certification, Certified Transformation in Supply Chain helps individuals understand what it's like to transform an organization through digital transformation. And I think we also need to understand that it's not just digital, you know, transformation. There's the, you know, the employee side of the tech talent side on this. But it, make no mistake about it. When we take a look at the trends, the top three trends are all focused on digital transformation, MI or AI, as we were talking before.
0: You know, it's interesting you talk about the people side of it. You and I had Alison Seward from uh, GE Appliances on recently. And um, I, I thought, to me, she had a really inspiring uh, presentation on some of the things that they were doing around digital, including uh, really doing digital twins in, in an effective way that was helping, for instance, um, get new factories uh, you know, approved quicker because they could walk people who had to make the uh, approvals through the digital factory. But she also made the point that it was also about upskilling the workforce and improving the jobs of the workforce and listening to the workforce. And so, yeah, it was digital, but uh, at least with GE Appliances, they recognize uh, the importance of the human um, input. Um, I wanna ask you, uh, when I mentioned that I broke your top 10 list into two buckets, the second bucket, and it goes back to the conversation about the Red Sea, uh, was risk management because on the top 10 trends, you had risk management and resilience, data security and logistics vulnerability. Those to me are all risk management. And it reminded me, um, I had a conversation with Kathy Wingle, who is J&J supply chain leader recently. And she said to me that one of the takeaways from the pandemic for her is that j j now has a crisis management team in every site around the world with identified leaders who like FEMA can be stood up in the course of an hour. I thought that was pretty impressive but the other reminder to me was j and J is number four on uh, Gartner's top 25 list. They're a the kind of company that has the resources to do this on a global basis. How pervasive do you think risk management is today outside of industry leaders like you know, J&K and J and e and g
1: and Google and whomever else? Yeah, that is a really great point. And I think a lot of questions and a lot of discussions are happening at those organizations right now on how to mitigate their, you know, their extended supply chain so that they are not uh, surprised. Um, it, it's not surprising, you know, on the crisis management teams, given the, you know, the types of disruptions, the frequency, severity, and the duration of the disruptions that we faced over the past three years. Uh, I, I think we would be foolish to say that we have, you know, we've solved that. We know how to respond. Well, we don't know what the next disruption is going to be. And I think that's part of the challenge here, a tremendous amount of focus on resiliency uh, to your point, And that's the ability to withstand the shocks to the system. We don't know what the next shock is, obviously. I mean, we always try to prepare, but more often than not, we're fixing the last problem as opposed to preparing for the next um, challenge that we face. And so quite a bit of focus on resiliency and risk management. I think historically risk management has been there, but I think it's taken on significant urgency, obviously, given the disruptions that we faced. But I think we need to take a look at the other side, the resiliency, and that's agility. And that is not only the ability to withstand the shock, but to take advantage of the situation. To your point, I think these leading organizations are looking at this as an advantage opportunity, that if there's going to be a disruption, how do we take advantage of it? How do we position our organization to ensure that not only could we withstand it, but we take a market share that we are much more responsive? And I think that's where a lot of the discussion is not only withstanding it, but taking advantage of it. And that ties to our previous discussion about the role responsibility of the supply chain professional and how it's expanded to the most critical aspects of the business right now. I can't think of a more critical time right now than on resiliency within an organization and the role that supply chain professionals take along with their counterparts in the organization to not only withstand these shocks, but to ensure that they're sustainable moving forward. So that last point about
0: resilience is really, I think, on point the red Sea discussion by the way and it was one of the things that, g- that gave me a little optimism this morning and that's that they said that 80 billion dollars in freight has already been rerouted um, away from the Red Sea, which tells you there's a crisis management team somewhere that learned something from the port problems we had during the pandemic when people were trying to figure out you know how to get a ship into a port and get it unloaded and are taking the lessons from that to say, well if they're gonna you know disrupt the Red Sea, You know, let's get it on a boat going somewhere else. Um, Last topic, and I'll start. When you look forward, what do you think is going to be the biggest challenge facing supply chain managers going forward? And I'll tell you the one that I'm watching the closest, um, and it's one that we've had a number of guests on to talk about. And that is whether given concerns about the slowing economy and a pretty hostile political climate are we gonna be able to keep moving forward on initiatives around sustainability and diversity? Like I'm already reading reports in uh, you know, the business sections, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times about companies being less willing to advertise what they're doing. They may not be pulling back, but they're trying not to talk about it. And in some instances they're pulling back. For instance, a number of chief diversity officers have you know, left organizations because they just felt there wasn't support there. Uh, that that's what I'm watching and the one that i concern because I think we've made a lot of steps in our industry towards both diversity and sustainability. What do you watch?
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Bob. I think that uh, regarding sustainability and circular economy, we're late to the games, uh, not only in terms of setting appropriate metrics, but also reporting responsibilities. As you pointed out, we're seeing quite a bit of pullback on organizations reporting out Less that they be held accountable to, to prove what they're reporting out. And I think there's been some shading of not only the data, but some greenwashing of, you know, organizations' uh, practices. Uh, unfortunately, most of the focus right now is regulatory or policy. Uh, we're not seeing quite a bit on the voluntary side for associations, whether industry associations or other, you know, um, the companies themselves, indicating that they are going to take a first step in identifying not only what the appropriate metrics are, but the reporting responsibilities. Um, I think we let down a little bit on the industry association side. And so not surprisingly, we're seeing it from the regulatory. We're seeing it from the EU. We're seeing it from policy that it is now compliance in terms of the holding organizations accountable. And I, you know, again, I still think we have a window of opportunity here if industries can get together and agree on what appropriate measures are and appropriate reporting metrics. You know, we, we've seen this story before, Bob. It's the top of you know, the priority list for every organization, but when we take a look at the investment, it doesn't match the rhetoric. And that's a particular concern. It's also the same concern I've got for workforce development, as we just talked. There are few digital initiatives that aren't getting funded today, as we are just you know, referencing. Uh, similar to sustainability, the, the focus on workforce development is that the organization, it, are you investing in your talent at the same level as you're investing in your technology? Are you investing in sustainability at the same level that you're investing in your you know, in, you know, strategy development? And I think this is where we see a divide that right now, tremendous amount of resources are being spent on digital transformation. Are you improving your workforce? Are you developing knowledge workers so that they could take advantage of the technology that you're implementing? I think that's a winning formula for a lot of organizations, that commitment to ongoing professional development, in addition to the digital transformation that they're making with a goal towards a sustainable supply chain. I think that's a winning formula. Great. Abe, why don't you take us out? I appreciate that, Bob. This has been an extraordinary time for us to talk about supply chain and the impact that it has on companies, that it has on economies, and all of our lives. Uh, we're, as Bob indicated, we're coming to the end of our fourth year at The Rebound. I want to thank you all for joining us and making this podcast a success that it's become. We hope you'll be back for our next episodes and for the next year. And for The Rebound, I'm Adesh And I'm Bob Turlecon. All the best, everyone.